Hello and welcome back to The Prime Actor with me, Rhiannon Mosson. And me, Maddie Ann Holt. We're back to bring you a behind-the-scenes look at the entertainment industry. Whether you're a fan or have dreams of treading the boards, this is the podcast for you. The Prime Actor is sponsored by the Anna Fiorentini Performing Arts School and Stage in the City. They host performing arts classes for children and adults, both online and in person. This week, we're joined by actor, comedian, writer, and tarot reader, Elida Ramsford-Spider. Arden! <laughs> Hello. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Um, Elida has a Turkish, Aussie, and British heritage, and is a creative go-getter. You can have that as a quote. She created and performed in work that's been on at the Soho Theatre, The Vaults, Southwark Playhouse, Theatre 503, Pleasance, Edinburgh, Somerset House, Assembly, Edinburgh, and much, much more. But we know that these incredible jobs don't happen overnight. So we're keen to hear about Elida's experience and to take us back uh, to when you first knew that you wanted to be an actor and your journey into the industry. So welcome, welcome, Elida. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to me. Welcome to you. Thank you for being on this this podcast. So we're speaking to all sorts of brilliant creatives um, and kind of we want to sort of get down all the ways that people get into the industry because we were speaking to the brilliant actor Nigel Boyle um, from Line of Duty who was telling us um, that actually he never really wanted to be an actor and he just fell into it totally and through a lot of hard work and you know staying behind and all of that kind of stuff he got he sort of was fat was found out I guess was found um and did really and is doing phenomenally well so what what was your route in um I think I probably took the route in that a lot of people took which is that I was a really really dorky shy kid and my mum shoved me into (laughs) drama classes to try and um get me to talk to people um because I was super super shy um and I kind of just fell in love with it it kind of gave me an outlet and everything like that and um I was quite young when I said to my parents, you know, I think I want to be a performer. And um, and they said, all right, well, that's going to be pretty hard, but, <laughs> but you know, but fine. Um, and I kind of became slightly kind of, I suppose, tunnel vision with it for a few years. Um, so I kind of went through, in some ways, quite a traditional route, but in other ways, not a traditional route, which we might come to later. So we'll see. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sounds intriguing <laughs> already. And um, when you said you were quite young, do you, you mind saying like how young you were when you thought that you had that? I think vision? I was probably about, I think I was in like year, like six. I was like, oh, like okay. young, like primary, primary school. school young. Yeah. Um, mm. And actually a lot of my family, they were like, she's going to be a lawyer. She's going to be a lawyer because I, I was always very kind of good at speaking um and Mm. and I was like actually I think I uh I think I want to spend all my time pretending to be other people instead (laughs) (laughs) yeah I could pretend to be a lawyer that's great oh yeah you could play a really good lawyer um and so what did you go to drama school how did what 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 how did you get in yeah I um I followed my parents they were they were very very insistent they said we want you to have some kind of plan b we want you to I'm Turkish. Yes. Um, there's a kind of there's, it's a different cultural setup, really, in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's less kind of uh, they're more risk averse. Let me put it that way. So um, so they yeah. said we want you to have a plan B. So I didn't immediately go to drama school. I um, went to university um, and did mm-hmm. English and drama. I did a joint honours because um, I always liked words, and I thought if all else fails, then I can maybe go off and 
I don't know, be a writer, which I hear is also just as easy. Um, um, and, and so, yeah, I did that. And by the end of my three year, um, joint honors degree, I was like, oh no, I think, I think I really need to go to drama school. (laughs) Um, and I took a year out. I worked in an office. I saved up the money to, um, go to go to drama school and I applied for a bunch of um, various drama schools in London and um, picked one and interestingly enough didn't go for an acting course um, <laughs> so I ended up doing a theatre maker course instead um, advanced theatre practice at um, oh. Royal Central School of Speech and Drama um, I did that as an MA um, because I think at that point I'd begun to kind of realise that it wasn't just the performance, it was the making of the performance that I also really enjoyed um, and kind of having control over things like storyline and characters and how they're shaped and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, I finished drama school and um, kind of entered the industry in that way. Oh, that's so interesting. A theatre maker course. Yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely seen those courses. So what kind of things do you do you you said about so do you do writing on that course and is it a, is it kind of producing it's, um, as well yeah it's a, it's a mixed bag the the course that i was on was very very heavily um focused on things well quite experimental stuff um lots of devised collaborative stuff so we were kind of known as the weirdos in 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 the drama school because while all the other actors uh, in training were kind of wandering around the building like reciting lines and in all their blacks and stuff we were there like setting up uh, kind of like guerrilla performance spaces in like a phone box and kind of enforcing kind of strange immersive experiences on people um, <laughs> I mean that sounds way more fun. <laughs> it was fun. That sounds it was wicked. Really, really fun. Um, so yeah, there was a there was a big focus on, um, I think, creating performances that were structurally sound. So yes, writing was a focus, but also formally very, very uh, interesting and different to just going and sitting and watching something in a proscenium march, you know, in the West End. Mm. Um, and so, I came out of that um, doing really crazy stuff um I, I i had my own theater company we were kind of creating work that was um we called them live action video games um where like an actor was hooked up with um a kind of headpiece that was a camera and then an audience member would basically be the person in control of the actor and get them to sort of go through a storyline that we had devised that is great and then us actors we were all improvising stuff based on what the audience member or members were kind of saying or requesting of the main actor it was it was yeah so it was it was left field it was definitely not traditional um acting the way that I had envisaged myself doing when I was sort of 11 10 um but I did it anyway <laughs> although in uh, last week's podcast Rhi and I were talking about the RS was it RSC actors Rhi that are yeah. now doing yeah. that live action um you know the I don't know what the right terminology. Like avatars. Avatars, yeah. <laughs> there but we that, go. Yeah, so that's become... I mean, obviously now, because of the climate, that that kind of thing, I mean, that is... It sounds incredible. Um, and how has it been for you, like, over lockdown and, and, like, dealing with trying to be creative in a space which is very not creative? <laughs> I mean, yeah, lockdown is not... I think a lot of creative people tend to get their energy from other 
from other people, you know, or if not their energy, then certainly their inspiration by watching, by kind of being in a moment, by sharing a space and time. So I have struggled in that respect, but I have found that it has allowed me, the downtime has allowed me to kind of turn inward and do a lot more writing um, rather than performing and stuff like that. So, Mm. um, and of course, tarot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is great. We need to talk about this. Let's talk about this because you've read my tarot. Yes. Is that the right wording? Yes. It was great. And I, so Ree, I, uh, like like we said at the beginning, so we've got a mutual friend and our mutual friend was speaking about all this incredible stuff you were doing. And I was like, nah, it's not something I've ever really done. And I'm like, whatever but I was so it was I think it was at the start of lockdown and I was like you know what whatever let's let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and I was in this space that was like nah whatever I don't know wait I tell you I came out of that session inspired (laughs) I mean are we talking virtual tarot cards yes we are yeah yeah so I have the cards in my hand I do show the person reading I sort of it's very low tech I just turn the camera around I'm like can you see it and then (laughs) (laughs) pop it back but yeah um I do that a few times a week for people which is quite nice it's great this is incredible I mean maybe I need to to look at that you do as a yeah I don't know I've never really got involved not because I'm against it just you know it's never really landed it's in front of me. I mean, it's an now. interesting thing. I mean, I I know this is strictly not a uh, performance-related thing, but for me, tarot is a form of performance um, because what it, I think a lot of people expect when they think of tarot, a kind of woman in, like, a headscarf sitting in, like, a caravan somewhere being like, tomorrow a dark <laughs> stranger will cross your path. And, um, and <laughs> that's really not the way that the cards were ever intended to be used, I think. Um, and what it often is, is, I mean, I talked about having an experimental theatre background and improvising with audience members and kind of creating a shared space and all that sort of stuff. But really, that's what tarot is for me, is I'm listening to a person and kind of giving uh, giving a space for their story to exist whilst also talking about the story of the tarot, which there is one in the tarot cards, and how those two things might align and what that person might be able to understand about their own situation or their own life based on both the information they've given me and also the information that I have from the tarot. Um, it's, it's a really beautiful experience and I recommend that everybody give it, a, give it a whirl so long as they don't go for one of those like hokey like headscarf <laughs> do not <laughs> look in mystic May. yeah mystic. like we don't want a crystal, crystal ball wielding like hoax <laughs> no yeah, and the it, way you've just described it really did sound like a performance it sounded like a you know the um kind of live like you were saying about how the audience can kind of impact how a story unfolds like it's kind of what you just described yeah, so it is amazing. yeah i think I would recommend, Reg, have a little chat. It's so great. I mean, I felt it was, you know, I was like, you know what? This is going to be, I'm not, I'm not even sure what to expect. And then honestly, I came out and I was like, I feel like it was exactly like that. I feel like not only, ha- it was an immersive theatre performance of my life. I was like, that film was special. That was great. Um, anyway, so going back to acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you're doing this, you know, in all of this kind of incredible and, um, would you call it, I guess the, the right wording is, oh, it's theatre making, immersive theatre. I saw that you'd done Bryony Kimming's course, brilliant course. Um, and so f- 
you know, not, not to sound like I'm interviewing you for a job, but in five years' time, where would you like to... Like, what's your kind of dream career? It's a very good question. Um, I feel like I'm talking to my mum. No, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I have that effect. No, I love it. They just shine a light right um, into your eyes. Do you know what? Now. I think, for me, I would, I would like to... I would like to be in a place where I can um, be performing and writing more comedy um, mm-hmm. because I, I, in the last few years I sort of sidestepped into that world a little bit um, and I'd like to perhaps dip a toe into um, screenwriting for TV and stuff like that but um, I think I think at this point given lockdown etc the one thing that I've really really come to kind of understand is that it's good to have a vague idea but to grip too tight um, onto one single image of like what I want to be, who I want to be and what I want to achieve. Um, you know, anything can change at the drop of a hat as we've all <laughs> seen and known. Mm. So mm. I, I'm at the risk of sounding very much like a fence sitter. I've, I'm, very, I'm very open to pretty much anything at this point. Um, no, I think that's great. I think that's a really good answer because... Uh, you know I don't know about you Ree, but I was I was always set like I was like this is what I want to do and I will do no different and then everything that you you kind of try and force things to fit into that rhetoric and then when they don't work you're hugely disappointed but then also not seeing all of the great stuff that's happening um yeah and I never wanted it to be that I'd failed at something it's why I always felt like I'd made an active decision to sort of change the path that I mm wanted to go down um and and so I think it is more positive to kind of have that outlook I don't think it's very you know helpful to yourself to think you didn't achieve something how about the things that you did achieve um and actually you mentioned earlier that you kind of were kind of looking a bit more inwards and doing a lot of writing and stuff like that and my real hope when all of this is over is that actually we're going to just have this complete influx of incredible new material because everyone's yeah been kind of being creative in a different way and then that creativity is going to come out for all of us to see when all of this is over and I think that's a really exciting place to be yeah yeah Mm. yeah for sure I mean I know like speaking to friends as well that 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 everyone is you know I think at the beginning everyone we've kind of gone through these ebbs and flows haven't we through these three lockdowns like the first one you know, everyone was like, I need to make stuff. I need to, I still exist. I need everyone to know I still exist. And I was, you know, also very, um, you know, I was like doing all the videos and making all the stuff and like trying to do TV, but sitting at home and like all this stuff. And then actually from the second one, I kind of did what you did and just went really inward. And actually I know a lot of people writing and doing brilliant stuff that aren't necessarily feeling the need to, like massively shout about it and be like look I'm I need validation I'm still here which is great that's a good thing I totally totally agree I think that the temptation is to be like I have to use this time wisely this is a gift this is but also using it wisely doesn't necessarily always equal you know um flogging yourself out to the highest bidder um using your time wisely can also be really about calibrating with yourself and kind of checking in with who you are and what you want and just doing a bit of soul searching (laughs) yeah yeah i think i think that's been enforced on us to some extent like yeah i will i will have a little think about that well yeah 
Yeah, because I remember what was the play, I should know this, what was the play Shakespeare wrote in The Plague and everyone, that was like the thing, everyone was like, uh, Shakespeare wrote... King Lear. Was it King, King Lear? King Lear. Yeah. Um, Shakespeare wrote King Lear in The Plague, so what are you doing? And there was all these examples of like, someone did this in the da-da-da, and someone did this, and then I was like, everyone needs to stop. Everyone, But that yeah. that's kind of dropped off, I think, quite a lot. I was reading a great article yesterday about um, how, like self-care doesn't need to be self-care on instagram like self-care doesn't need to be like beautiful scented candles and like instagrammable thing because you spend like you know an hour setting up the scene and then maybe like 10 minutes enjoying it you know like (laughs) self-care can be sitting in your pajamas all day watching netflix it can be like the fact that you washed your hair today that's good completely that's enough completely i mean i I've heard a lot of people say survive, not thrive. And I think that we should be kind to ourselves in that respect. I mean, in my eyes at this point, if we come out having emotionally survived, mentally survived and, you know, to some degree financially and health wise survived, then that is thriving. Um, The the parameters of what thriving are have changed. Um, Yes, 100 percent. Yeah, 100%. And actually, this um, we, we've, we spoke with um, our last guest about this as well. And I wonder, I, I actually don't know where you're based. So I've made an assumption here that you're based Correct. in London. Apologies no, if com- I'm wrong. Uh, but uh, we um, have asked whether the idea of having to kind of be in London, that was always the thing. Um, certainly, when I was studying, it was kind of like you needed to be in London for the things to happen. And um, this situation of the pandemic has changed that somewhat and I think it was probably changing a little bit before but I just wonder whether your view on that has changed whether you feel like this is for the work that you want to do if if London is the place you feel you need to be I think I think yeah I think that London I mean I will always want to be in London because London's the only place where I've ever felt at home personally um being a kind of like global sort of town trotter or whatever but from a kind of arts industry perspective I've definitely seen the shift and I think I could see myself um perhaps in a few years time definitely moving and to kind of do it because so much stuff has shifted to online the nature of collaboration has changed um people are able to I mean look we're doing a podcast and none of us are in the same room (laughs) (laughs) Um, the expectations of what class what is classed as a finished product or as public worthy have shifted as well um and I think that all of those things are to the advantage of people who don't live in London and who perhaps also come from a different, I don't know, like socioeconomic background as well. So mm-hmm. I think that, I think it's, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say that London, London is obviously still going to probably have a higher proportion of opportunities compared to other places, but I definitely see the shift occurring for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know if you know, I moved to Brighton. Yes. yeah in the first lockdown and I was like yeah it's going to be six months and then lockdown's going to be over and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to be the one who's all refreshed (laughs) but with the sea air and now we are what like a year or a bit in and I just signed the next lease on my another on another flat and I'm like yeah no I'm okay actually (laughs) but again like you know there's a huge influx of people you know moving out of the city and I think I do think you know, it is a shame because I also love London and London is my home. I see London as my home. I was there 14 years, but I don't know. I did start getting quite irritated with it. Like in respect of, you know, I guess 
there's nowhere like it in terms of if you've got three castings and you just need to hop in and out, it's great. Yeah. But I don't know, like you said, I don't know how much of that is going to be happening. Are you, are, have you noticed, like, are you doing self-tapes or are you, um, or are you focused really on the writing I'm, I'm almost entirely focused on the writing. Um, I, mm. I, I work in casting as my day job and I know that lots and lots mm. of people are doing self-tapes um, and in some ways actually it, this has opened up the possibility that you know where someone would have had to kind of schlep down from Manchester um, with a day's notice or maybe two days notice now they can just self-tape and it's a much more accepted thing um, obviously self-tapes existed before this um, but um, I think that people were probably a bit reluctant to allow people to audition via self-tape previously because it was sort of, sort of seen as like the ultimate last resort. Like, <laughs> um, whereas now, it, like, I think 50% of castings in the first instance are probably, especially for things like commercials and stuff, are happening via self-tape. So... Yeah. Mm, so, and I mean, the good the good thing is like I've seen with our clients and they are um, younger, obviously, but they now are much more confident with doing a self-tape and actually seeing the benefits of being able to, you know, do mm-hmm. it again. And, you, you know, you can do it a few times until you feel you've done the best you can do. You're not in the room like, oh, can I do it again? I don't want to waste your time. You know, yeah, so yeah. I think that that is a positive of that certainly I've seen in our yeah. clients their confidence grow. yeah I think so I think that it's it's making something that once was a very very scary thing for both younger people and I dare say also the older generation who perhaps feel a bit less tech savvy I think it's making the concept of approaching the self-take much 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 more kind of accessible and uh, necessary in some ways yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had completely missed that. Apologies that you're that you worked in casting. So what, um, what do you cast, or what do you um, like in what respect? Um, I, I, I manage um, casting spaces. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, big big company that uh, does deals in castings. Um, won't say the name just in case because I've not had clearance <laughs> to talk about them. Um, but um, but yes, I, I manage. Uh, the the spaces where the castings happen so I don't necessarily have my hands on in the kind of selection process or the kind of um, negotiations with you know the production companies etc that casting directors would but I am privy to a lot of casting footage a lot of the kind of processing of people that takes place in order to get the castings up on their feet and of course what happens in the actual room um, often and um, and all the different types of castings, be it theatre, commercial, TV, etc. Um, it's a yeah, it's it's a busy, busy, different world. It's intense. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah. That's super interesting. And so, have you been um, supporting casting directors throughout this time as well? Obviously, they're not coming to you in person in the yeah. same way. Um, it's. But I wondered, yeah, if you've had involvement kind of... We have, in so, in so far as, you know, we realised the pandemic was hit, the push towards going, you know, paperless, online, etc., in almost all aspects of casting has been happening for a while anyway. Um, and I think that the pandemic hit and it was basically the final, like, shove through the door into that world, into that realm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, the self-tape service was set up kind of quite quickly, there's a lot of offerings, not just through us, but through other kind of platforms as well um, for people to um, 
basically get acquainted with with how to kind of navigate the industry while sitting at home how to keep creative while sitting at home how to do self tapes mm. how to do work voice workshops etc etc all from the comfort of their own living rooms and possibly also the frustration of their own living rooms in some cases <laughs> yes <laughs> um so just to sort of finish up so from all of your i mean incredible wide ranging experience um you know we have a lot of young people that we work with that uh, are listening to this what advice would you give to people starting out in the industry i mean that could got sort of go to the those kids that are sort of maybe a little bit uh confused as to where where to take things okay there's a few things that like i don't want to sound too like spiritual guru but like <laughs> no go for it we love it we haven't had a spiritual guru <laughs> on yet so plug in you're up so the first thing is genuinely genuinely like knowing yourself is just so important because I think um, a lot of people would a lot of my peers I think went into the industry spent a lot of money on what they thought they wanted um, be that the headshots the showreels the training the whatever um, only to come out the other side and kind of be like actually none of this is what I thought it would be none of this is who I want to be none of this feels like a lifestyle that I want to be part of or can stomach. Now, obviously, that's totally fine. Lots of people go through that process naturally, organically, authentically anyway. Um, you know, people say, p- people pick and choose industries all the time and come in and out. Um, but this can be a gruelling, taxing, um, demanding industry. And passion is one thing. Loving it is another. But knowing yourself and where your bottom lines are and what your motivations are underneath just the concept of like, I want to be an actor, I want to be in a film one day. Um, Understanding those things will help you be able to figure out where you want to go when someone offers you something and also how you want to get there if no one's offering you anything. I think if that makes sense. Mm. It totally <laughs> yeah, does. I love it. Sorry, we were both really enthralled. I can see Bree's <laughs> face. I was really, yeah, yes, absolutely. That makes total sense. And it uh, definitely, personally speaking, took me like a good 10 years to work that yeah. out. Yeah. So, and, you know, that's really. The other thing is, again, I will say like, be flexible. Like, I mean, I, I, I will say I've never had an agent. Like I came out of drama school and because I, because I did a theatre making course, you know, I, I wasn't prepped for that world of getting an agent and going to auditions, etc., etc. I was prepped to make and produce my own shows and think from a kind of directorial or dramaturgical perspective. Um, but I knew that I wanted to perform. And so because I was able to be flexible, I found a way to exist in a world where I kind of created my own space, my own niche, where I could perform, but also get the kind of thrill of being a writer or a producer or a director alongside it. Um, and I've, I've been pretty happy and relatively successful because of that flexibility. Um, mm. And I think a lot of people, when they say, um, I think it's thinking about what other people will think of you if you don't have an agent or if you don't do this or if you don't do it this way or if you don't go to drama school um, is a surefire way to end up crashing, crashing and burning. Um, it's the equivalent yeah. of driving. You're driving your own car. You can't keep looking out the window. 
to see what the people in the next lanes are doing. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll veer off course and crash. Um, so being flexible about what that vision is for yourself and where you can get to is very, very important. Good. I, I think that. that really sums up what we're trying to achieve on this series of, mm. of like everyone's journey is different. There is not a right or a wrong way of doing this. And I think we want to show like everybody is doing their own version of of getting into the industry or with their own careers and successes so thank you thank you Elida that's been completely inspiring and eye-opening thank you if you have a burning question to ask about the world of acting or agenting or the industry in general you can find us on Instagram at the prime actor podcast and we're going to finish each week with a quote to motivate inspire or just make you laugh and this week it's from American journalist Sydney Harris Happiness is a direction, not a place. Fits in quite nicely what you were just saying. God, it was like it was meant to (laughs) be. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about the Anna Fiorentini Theatre and Film School or Stage in the City, you can head to their brand new and shiny website, afperformingarts.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.